Welcome back to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. It's Monday, January 2nd, 2023. Today is episode 91, and I have a fantastic guest to start off the new year. But, unfortunately, I don't think all that many people know him. It's Pedro Angosto, writer for Big Bang Comics. And who's Pedro? And what the heck is Big Bang Comics, right? I'll let you in on a little secret. Big Bang is a bit like comic book royalty. We've been producing quality comic books for decades. In a nutshell, Big Bang Comics puts out anthologies intended to be a homage to Golden Age and Silver Age comics. I love their stuff. Last spring, I was putting out Wheels for Guests, and Gary Carlson's name popped up. I'm not 100% certain what led me to reach out to him. Well, Summer started, and I had a new job, and I went back looking through my contacts and asked Gary, one of the big cheeses at Big Bang, if he wanted to come on the show again. After he said yes, I did a little research, and I was humbled and felt like an idiot who sits in the corner for screwing up a simple math problem in school. Gary is a lot of things. He's sort of like royalty to me. He's one of those people that you should know. For example, he's considered the de facto grandfather of Image Comics because he helped discover a lot of creators that were connected to Image Comics. Suddenly, I became very nervous. I snagged an icon of comic history and didn't realize who Gary was. Oh, I remember Big Bang over the years, but it didn't connect that much in my head. So I mentioned some of my fellow fans and podcasts that I snagged Gary Carlson. Oh, that's a fantastic guest, they said, which didn't exactly help with the anxiety and worry. Gary ended up being the guest for the 75th episode and the first anniversary of the podcast. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy having him on. Look at the show notes for his link to his first appearance and look to look at Big Bang's comics. I have grown to really love them all over again. It's been a while since I've read them, and I feel foolish for not having read them all along. Gary was nice enough then to reach out to Pedro, located in Spain, who's been writing for Big Bang for many years. One of the things I enjoy having is guests from different countries because I like to hear their insights. Pedro made a fascinating guest and I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, there's links for Big Bang Comics. Check out the links. Heck, even Google Big Bang Comics. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. And while you're looking at those show notes, you'll find a link tree on the comic podcast. So please follow the podcast on social media. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. I really want this podcast to continue to grow. And as I've said, I want to introduce fans to a different way of covering, discovering, and reading comic books. Now on to today's show. Welcome back to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. Today, I am happy to finally bring on Pedro Angosto, who is a writer connected with Big Bang Comics, and he does many other things within comics. But I usually ask a person... And Pedro's actually in Spain, so it's going to be a little bit different. So how did you get into comic books being a, a person in Spain, and, and what got you started becoming a lifelong fan? Like everybody, I was reading comic books when I was very little. The first one were brought by, to me by my parents, I, like Disney comics and, and something... I like your Archie comics here in Spain. They are called Comics Bruguera. And they have all those 
lots of characters, humor ones, you know, like clever and smart or thing like that, you know. And then when I was like 11, uh, the, the Spanish publisher of Marvel and then DC started putting out all the Bronze Age and post-crisis stuff, you know. So I, I dived into that immediately and, and started collecting all and, and started at it until like eight years ago where I stopped. <laughs> okay. okay, why did you stop collecting after eight, eight years ago? What, what made you stop collecting well, modern comics? The first, the first comic books I brought were some Spider-Man ones, the new series that was around the, the Roger Ster and Romita Jr. run, the Hot Goblin stuff and all that. And of course, how not to fall in love <laughs> with that? I remember that the first issue, they published this number, Amazing Spider-Man uh, 186, maybe. The, the one with the microscope in, in Uncle Sven Tomb, you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> I do reviews all day all, all his life and it was eastern love you know as i say in a recent interview i was peter parker in a unpopular in a high school <laughs> full of flat thompson i i, I don't crawl uh, up walls but we are very much alike so i got into it how are Spanish comics different than the American comic books? I mean, do, do you actually have English comic books? I mean, English language? Do you guys publish monthly? How far behind yeah. are they? So what's it for, like for the Spanish industry? For for many years, the, the big part of um, Spanish comic book market were a translation from Marvel, DC, starting in the 80s. The, there is French staff, European staff, you know, like another third. And, and manga started with the Dragon Ball craze and is big and, and going still big, I think. Not as big as this was in the 90s. But. And then we have the Spanish comic books in the 50s and during the Franco era. We have this kind of pulp adventures comic books like in Spain, we didn't get news that from abroad, the, the adventure comics froze in the pulp era, you know? So we have a lot of gorillas and, and pharaohs and, and all that. Many, many characters that we said were sold in the newsstands. And then in the, the 70s, the new authors became aware of everything that was done in Europe. So we got very high quality, mature albums and, and creators. But but the reality is that that didn't go anywhere in terms of sales. It ended disappearing when the superheroes and then manga became big. No? So right now, the Spanish comic book market is very small. There are a lot of events and, and even comic book shops, but the the speciality of Spanish creators is what we will call graphic novels. I, I mean, realistic or, or some sci-fi or something, 
uh, stories self-contained, no? So you are a writer of comic books. How long have you been writing comic books and how did you get started writing comic books? After years of Marvel publishing, being published here by, by Planeta, they did this line of Spanish artists and writers that were from my generation. Back then in the 90s, Carlos Pacheco, Pascual Ferri, entered Marvel UK first and then the American market. And we everybody thought that <laughs> we were following them, no? In fact, that only happened with artists. A lot of art, Spanish artists broke into the American market, but it wasn't the same for writers. So I started trying to do stuff back then, but actually didn't publish anything until after 2000, when I came back from a year in London, and there was this little, small publisher that put a mini series of what was a, a, a Justice Society Golden Age a pastiche done with public domain characters, slightly modified, you know, and that was my first comic book. And I sent that to a small American publisher. I did uh, something in AC Comics, the publisher of Fem Force, a couple of issues. And then uh, I guess I sent those to Gary Carson and around 2005. And I did for him, while Big Bang Comics was still image imprint, a uh, one shot of the Round Table of America that was uh, a homage to the classic Gardner Falls Justice uh, League. And, and after that, well, I did a little Shadow Hot 8 Payer. Okay. <laughs> now it's his third anniversary with a Spanish Shadow Hawk. What do you do outside of writing comic books? What's your, life, what's your real life like? Oh, well, no, I. My real life looks like like Kafka's, you know, metamorphosis surreal. But uh, I studied uh, philosophy. I got a degree on philosophy, and I've been always interested in in mythology, and then later literature, also hermetic, esoteric knowledge like Alan Moore, but without the rings, you know, or the pair. So my, what I do aside from comics in some magazines here in Spain, or I'm working now on, on two little essays, is putting all that together, how mythology and its symbols perdure in literature and other arts until today, no? This Joseph Campbell, uh, thing where Star Wars is really all the old stories told again, no? Gotcha. Or Sandman, for that matter. I'm a, a, a huge fan and scholar of Tolkien's work, and, and that has been the key to get into all those other stories. You also have a blog, don't you? That you've been writing yeah, well, since since 2008 is called The Man of Bronze. And what's that all about? I mean, it's a long time you're running a blog from 2008. Yeah, I keep it daily still or, or mostly daily. 
But uh, originally, 10 years back, it uh, was a, a blog about comic books. You know, <laughs> that's what's my theme back then. I've been writing since I started reading almost first fan scenes, the photocopied ones, you know, and then some pro scenes. Then I lead to internet. I am absolutely fed up of internet and everything say for you say for your podcast eh? <laughs> everything that has to do with that or social networks that's like my pain now but uh well the the blog started with that and then uh, when i got tired of of the current comic books and i mean superhero comic book mostly i uh, started including some other stuff like movie critics like everybody else now in the internet <laughs> right and books literature fan, uh, gene literature sci-fi fantasy horror that's my thing and this kind of esoteric platonic or neoplatonic thinking that gets me going <laughs> that's i mean you can try to read with google translate or or just look at the pictures. <laughs> I've looked at it, yes. A lot of stuff, no? Justice, society, entries, and all that. <laughs> how, do you, how does your um, arrangement with Big Bang Comics work? How many issues do you put out in a year? What do you write? What do you like? Uh -huh. How do you get an assignment? I mean, what's all? how, how does that all go about? You know, Gary yeah. also writes some stuff, but you also write some stuff. So I'm kind of curious on how that all works together. Seven years ago, I stopped reading Marvel and DC comics that I had done for the rest of my life because I, I, I couldn't recognize not much the characters themselves, but the way stories are written and, and told, no? And, and the artwork, well, it's not like I, I, I came from the era where you can get like 60 issues by John Byrne or your parents or whoever. And now it's a little difficult to, to get that. I thought I have left comics like forever, you know. I, I kept reading the news and that's my a little vice. Uh, then I saw that uh, Gary Carlson was bringing back Big Bang with a new digital and print-per-demand series, Big Bang Adventures, that can be brought at indieplanet.com. It was the pandemic. I was here in my home with not much to do. And this idea came to me about doing a, a Justice Society story with Big Bang pasties character, the Knights of Justice. I have this artist here in Madrid that has been telling me, let's do something, let's do something. And I say, oh, please leave me. <laughs> but then the opportunity came and I brought to Gary and I said, okay, I, if you do the book, I will publish it. No? Then, then while we were doing that one, another old friend of mine, artist Jorge Santa Maria, who actually worked for Marvel, Avengers, Celestial Quest with Stephen Greer, he started sending me some of his current pinups and stuff. And, and I said, be careful because I'm doing this book and I want to do more. And that's how this, the second project was born. Uh, the last week kiss story that is. That's uh, actually what I'm looking at right now. As I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at the last week's kid story from Big Bang Adventures number 17. And the art in it is very, very good art. Very, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very different type of Big Bang comic book. 
Yeah, well, it's sadly we cannot get now uh, artists that imitate the style of, of Bronze Age or Silver Age or Golden Age artists, no? But, well, uh, uh, Big Bang Comics uh, had homage of image comics in the 90s, you know, the green and gritty era yes. and all that. So we are doing this kind of modern take of those archetypes of the Teen Titans. And it's, for me, it's like when Alan Moore did Supreme, you know, they, he had yes. this classic Supreme, but he also had Chris Sproul doing the current one, and then he did John Blood and Glory. And, and that's my, the model for me, apart from Big Bang Gomez and Gary Carson, that I love the, the work he had done developing his own DC and now Marvel universe. Have you written any Big Bang story that were like set in the Silver Age or something like that yet? Uh, not exactly Silver Age. The first one that I did that was a Rome Table of America story, personality crisis, because back then identity crisis was. Yes. Uh, that was is structured like a Gardner Foss Justice League story, no? But it was really current. I mean, in the eighties or or whatever, just pre-crisis. I would love to do some retro stuff, but for that, the first thing you need yeah. is, uh, is the artist. And the Nice of Justice that we did, that is the Justice Society pastiche, is not drawn like in the Golden Age, but the art is classic art, like, akin to what Jerry Orway did in the, in the 80s with the Earth 2 characters, you know? I saw some with Gary. He said that you're the uh, fairy godfather, or he's the fairy godfather of you. Do you know what that's all about? I, I saw some posts where he said he was uh, the fairy godfather of Pedro and Gasto. Do you, does that ring any bells to, to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, tell, I, me, I, tell me that story. He said he's the fairy godfather, but he's really more like the wicked witch of the West. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in this world, to, to get somewhere, you had to have a godfather, you know, but the, the movie one, the Marlon Brando. <laughs> he's the guy who, who kills the horses and, and puts their heads in the, <laughs> in the beds, you know, of people. I guess yours as you are interviewing. I said earlier, I Gary, I had him back on in September and it was a very fun interview that I had with him and I didn't realize exactly you know his connections and ties to the comic book industry because he's considered the uh you know he, he gave Eric Larson and some of these other people their start in comic books years and years ago how often do you talk to Gary do you guys interact much oh yeah yeah well mostly daily because I always have a, a new page to to send him and then when I sent him the proposals that he was really kind to accept, both with Knights of Justice, that's a, a really classic Golden Age Justice Society story. But the last week kids story is has some really big moments, you know, very yes. modern, very adult, <laughs> mature king things. So he was really kind, letting me use his characters for that story. And then, well, sometimes we agree 
in some points, but, but in the end, he's a very good editor at 99% of what I write, say for the typos and, and, and stuff, is what you read in the page. And, and it's a pleasure working with him. Sadly, uh, producing the books, even if I am really proud of all the artists I have worked with, Jorge, uh, Pablo Alcalde in Nice of Justice, and the two that are um, doing the other two projects, uh, Luis Lorente for One Table of America, the new version, and Joan Vives, uh, who is doing uh, Dr. Whale, this foundational character from the Big Bang universe that was written back in the day for by a fanboy then who was G.R.R. Martin <laughs> and drawn by Gene Starlin before the Marvel stuff. Dealing with, with all those projects, all those artists that do it for love or almost is <laughs> it's been a little bit stressful, you know? And if I was getting rich or famous and getting girls and boys and, and cars for doing it, it would be worth. And it's worth to see the, my stories become such a beautiful comic book pages of art. No? But, but I don't think I'm going to keep doing it beyond those projects, you know? And it's a pity because it, it was a very good way for artists to get their stuff published by a veteran American comic book publisher. But that's how I feel right now. You know, that maybe the the fairy godfather is doesn't reach as much as he should. <laughs> gotcha. Who, who, who are some of your favorite creators, both artists and writers throughout the years? Who, who are people that you really enjoyed reading? Well, as I told you, I started reading Bronze Age comic books, so all these main uh, Marvel runs, Avengers by your page, Gene Shooter, uh, then uh, Fantastic by Byrne, uh, Daredevil, Thor, S-Men by Claremont, of course. Uh, those, those are the my <laughs> runs and my superheroes, even if I appreciate very much all the Silver Age stuff, especially DC, the Legion of Superheroes. I actually tend to like super groups, you know, and, and the artists and writers that do them well. And then I guess that my way of writing is, is influenced, or, or I like to think, by those uh, writers that take special care of the shared reality, you know, the, the continuity, the universe part of the superhero adventures like Roy Thomas, Steve Finglehar, Carl uh, Bushiek, and then the also the English authors like Alan Moore, Graham Morrison, Warren Ellis. You know, I am much uh, not not as good writer as them, of course, but those are the ones that I admire. You know, beyond the classic. Post crisis DC and, and 80s Marvel. I really like Silver Age, Sense of Wonder, Revival of the late 90s, James Robinson in Starman 2, because most of those comics that are that were pastiche, like Astro City, like well, Kingdom Come, 
they did with those characters what you that you cannot do anymore with Marvel and DC ones, no? And that pastiche creative power is what I like and admire, and I try to to read them off as much as I can, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Before we wrap things up this time around, do you have any parting thoughts, anything you want to talk about, any projects coming up? Well, as I told you, I'm working on finishing. It's almost finished uh, with his three, the third issue uh, of this huge story. And I really recommend that they look at it, if only for the artwork, you know? Yes. Knights of Justice. And working on, on Dr. Whale, that is a sort of retelling of his origin, you know, adding much stuff and the new Rome Table of America, that is kind of a, an, a spin off of last week's story because the characters be, uh, appear then all together again for the first time in many years. And, and that's about comics. Um, and for the rest, I'm working on a couple of essays. One is a Tolkien one, and the other is about Sandman from the mythological, symbolical, literary point of view. Pedro Angosto, writer for Big Bang Comic Books, I really want to thank you for making the time to come on the podcast. You are, of course, welcome to come back anytime again. Thanks again so much for your time. Thank you, and, and again, congratulations for your work. Thank you. Letting people know that they should buy Big Bang Comics, even if they are not mine. By the Gary ones. <laughs> You're exactly right. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you stick around for future episodes. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend it to comic fans. With this episode, I've added a link tree to the show notes, allowing you easy access to the comic fan podcast platforms and social media accounts. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Again, thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Thank you.